Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for the always famous, always exciting midweek podcast, Hardcore Church Planning. Where I like that. We Never pretty, dull. We, yeah, and everyone sticks around for the final question, and uh, we don't get to goof off. So that's kind of the the you know the the framework of the podcast if you will we really don't get to goof off on this one no but uh so because we don't get to goof off Peyton why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest and we'll get right into the interview yeah so today we've got Hector Perez from Marketplace Chaplains and he is going to tell us a little bit about a very unique ministry you maybe never heard of it some of you have but this could very well be the answer to the church planning pastor's prayers. Hector, welcome on, man. Hey, thank you very much, Pete and Peyton. My delight to be with you today. You know, uh, Hector, before we get into uh, what your ministry does, and actually it's it's one that I really can't wait to uh, to discuss with you because we've got one church planner in Vegas who I know uh, does this uh, type of ministry and it gets them out into the community and so I'm really excited to uh, to hear about it from uh, your standpoint. But one of the things we always like to ask as we get started is if you could share with everybody your story of how you came to faith and then how you got into ministry doing what you're doing now. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, I came to faith in 1974 through a friend of mine who him and I grew up in the barrio in Fullerton, California. Uh, both of us were involved with um, different types of uh, drugs, just uh, doing things that we all know uh, brings wreck- wreckage to your life. And so him and I uh, hung out a lot together. His name was Javier, and he had a godly mother. Uh, her name was Irene, and Irene was a woman who constantly would share the gospel with all of Javier's friends and the community there, and we lived in the barrio where most of it was growing up with African Americans and Hispanics of uh, different different nationalities. And so, um, you know, one day she just said, "Hey, I'm praying for you, Hector. I know that what you're doing is not bringing you any joy or purpose in life, and I want you to know that God loves you and I love you." And that's the first time I ever heard the word love from an adult. You know, I grew up in a very difficult life, uh, very abusive that created a distance. So I lived, uh, I actually ran away from home at 14 years old and lived on the streets, pretty much survived on my own. Uh, didn't see my parents till I was really after I got saved. So between that time uh, is when the Lord really started working in my life. And what those words that Irene planted in my heart and her prayers is what 
one day at a park where, where we used to get together with all the gang members where I grew up with. Um, I saw a guy coming in the nighttime and he had something in his hand and it happened to be a Bible and it was Javier. And I couldn't believe it. You know, it was just shocking to me to see, uh, here's a guy that I grew up with and all of a sudden he's different. He's carrying a Bible and it seemed to me very odd. And so he shared with me, uh, the gospel. He said, Hey, Jesus stands at the door and he knocks, you know, and I'm like, I felt really uncomfortable. And I honestly, I started making fun of him and, he said, well, God sent me today, Hector, and he has a purpose for your life, and, lo- and he loves you. And I really didn't understand that. And I was kind of taken back a little bit. But um, I didn't come to faith that night. But almost approximately about a month later, uh, all, the same thing happened. Deja vu, as they say it. But here he comes again on a Friday night. Nobody around. I'm sitting at the table waiting for the vatos. That's what we all called each other, right? The homeboys. And here comes Javier with a Bible in his hand. And uh, he said, Hector, he says, God told me to come tonight and look at here you are again. And that really freaked me out. I'll be honest. I was like, I started shaking. I didn't know what was going on. And I felt weird. And, and he said, you know, tonight's the night, Hector. You can, you can begin a new life or you can continue the same way and just risk dying because I know you're not happy and you're at the point of death all the time. And that's the way it was. I lived in tremendous panic and always uh, in trepidation and fear is what ruled my life and never trusted anybody. But that night, you know, when he said, hey, would you like to pray with me? God wants to give you a new life. And I could honestly tell you it was a Damascus experience that night. I, he goes, well, I go, well, what do I do? He goes, just get on your knees and pray. I go, I, I don't I don't pray. He goes, well, just try it. He goes, just pray whatever's on your heart. Just ask God to help you and ask Jesus to come into your life. And so we stood there, and uh, he goes, let's get on our knees. And this is a park at night, and I'm like, all right, get on my knees, and nobody around. And so I was kind of embarrassed. I looked around, see if anybody was watching. And it was, you know, at twilight. It was towards the, you know, getting nighttime. But I got on my knees, and I didn't know what to say, and I just prayed. I said, God, help me. I don't know what else to do in my life. I was at the point where I was very, uh, I had suicidal tendencies, thinking of overdosing. My life was a wreck. And, uh, but that night, as I prayed with Javier, uh, I, I just had a, a tremendous feeling of something different had happened. I didn't know what it was. And that's when I, you know, realized that Jesus came into my life. And as soon as I was done praying, I heard the words, flush it. And I'm like, and I used to deal drugs. So the Lord was telling me to flush them, you know, flush the drugs. And I had never heard a voice like that in my conscience before. And so I felt compelled and I didn't know what to do. And the other guys started getting there and I just told them, I, I lied to them. I just said, hey, I'm not feeling good, guys. I'm not going out. And I went back home and on my way home, I heard the words again, flush it. And so I went home and I grabbed my kilo of uh, marijuana and drugs and flushed them down the toilet. And from that point on, I felt a tremendous change in my life had begun. And the Lord started working in my life and started teaching me how to be a witness for him in the marketplace. And I began to evangelize and just share the gospel of Christ with tremendous uh, boldness and didn't know what I was doing. But I was just, 
you know, out there preaching the gospel to anybody I saw, telling them about Jesus and about that, it, you know, that he's coming back and he wanted to save them. And the Lord used me in that way just to bring several of my friends and most importantly, my family to Jesus Christ. So that in a nutshell, I mean, it's a lot longer, but I hope that conveys how I came to faith. And I just thank the Lord for women like Irene who prayed for me and, and began that that helped me to begin this journey through planting seeds in my heart. Mm. First of all, uh, tell us a little bit about the ministry that you're doing right now. And uh, it's kind of a unique ministry. So um, I'd really like to to hear the, you know, give us the overview of it, the 30,000 foot look at it, and then we'll, we'll kind of dig sure. into it. Okay. Marketplace Chaplains is an employee care service provided through trained and experienced chaplains who are caregivers that go into the workplace and bring the love of God and the compassion of Christ into the workplace through weekly worksite visits to work locations. And they do this on a weekly basis to establish trust, to develop a relationship with the employees, and then give them the opportunity to help them when there is a need in their life, regardless of whatever it is. Could be a serious need, could be a uh, an employee conflict that they're having at work, anything they would not go to HR about. Everything's in complete confidentiality. So the company was started, just to give you a big global view, the company was started in 1984, and our founder, Gil Strickland, was an, a military chaplain. And so when he left as a military chaplain, he came in and he had a, a real burden to reach the workplace, and he was praying about how God can use him to go in and, and try to get started. And he talked to a few uh, members at the church who had businesses, but they weren't interested. So he contacted somebody else. And that individual said, man, that sounds like an interesting concept. Why don't you come in and just, you know, see if it works in my business. Hmm. And so he did that back in Texas in 1984. He started in one location and had an office there and started going out and talking to the employees and led many to Jesus Christ and to faith. And, uh, and so it, it was really a, a wonderful beginning and, and God honored his heart and his desire to want to bring the gospel into the workplace. But that's an area of view. And we have over 2,900 chaplains serving right now with our organization. We, we serve 23 international cities and we, Serve most of the uh, states in the, in the United States. We serve in approximately 42 states right now. That's awesome, Hector. And, you know, one of the things that, that really uh, blows me away about this ministry is that it you guys are actually sending chaplains out into the workplace. How does that work? I mean, what does that look like? What kind of businesses are they going to? And what what does the chaplain actually do? Yeah, that's a good question. And, uh, well, you know, we, we serve over 30 different industries and, uh, we, we serve food product companies. We serve senior living communities. We serve oil and gas companies, uh, auto dealerships. We have quite a few auto dealerships that, you know, realize the value of having chaplains. We, well, I, I we do also... think, I, I do think they need chaplains, especially. <laughs> Yeah, especially uh, the salespeople. So they, if you go into the ones where the chaplains, you'll see a little different the way they're treated. Uh, auto services, banking, construction companies. We serve uh, organizations like David Weekly Homes. He's very famous. 
Uh, we serve companies, Pilgrim's Pride Corporation with over 35,000 employees. Um, so those are, you know, very well recognized organizations throughout the nation. But uh, our chaplains, really, what, what they go in, and I think your second part is what do they do or how do they do it? Yeah. What's it look like? Yeah. Well, what it looks like is, um, like, I'm going to do a chaplain visit tomorrow. Um, first thing I do, I get up in the morning, I pray, and I look over the employee list, and I just ask God to begin and help me to be effective. And I've already met several of the employees, so I go into the work site. I go in there without interrupting work, and I, I just pray for opportunities. And and I ask the Lord to lead people to me that want to talk to me, because everything is confidential and it's voluntary. So it's completely voluntary. We don't sit there and we enforce, you know, like I don't interrupt employees as they're working. That's one of the things we commit to. We are very observant. However, if uh, clients, all of our clients do give employees uh, permission to talk to a chaplain if they would like. And if it's longer than uh, five, 10 minutes, then we schedule a meeting after hours during lunch or before, uh, before work. So um, like last night, I got a call last night about an employee who's an alcoholic. And so it's after hours and he needs help. And so those are the opportunities we have, but it comes through building trust with the relationship. So like tomorrow when I go in there, I'm really building trust and there'll be some new employees. So I hope to meet them, greet them and just say hi and ask them if they know about our service. If they don't, I explain to them about the employee care service and it's a benefit and how you know, it can help them. And, and they're amazed that an organization would offer this type of support to employees because we all know that employees bring a tremendous amount of problems and stress to work. So that's really the objective is to build trust and earn that opportunity to uh, help someone when they have a need without interrupting their work. And so it's pretty cool. It's It's kind of like church. Like church is a really cool place until the people get there. <laughs> <laughs> And then they mess it all up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes it's, you know, one of the things I've learned is to really let the Spirit of God give those opportunities without forcing it. You know, I used to be the type I'd go in there and I want to force to share the gospel. With this, I'm really amazed, Pete, how the Lord opens that door and He gives me opportunities to share the gospel without forcing it. Hmm. And that's really the Spirit's leading. And over 50% of our chaplains are pastors who are active. Uh, active right now as a as a pastor, and so that makes it pretty cool because that gives them a different perspective. They get out of the walls and they go serve in the community. And we usually like to place chaplains uh, that are close to their church home or close to their lives because a lot of employees do want to get connected to church. Sure, sure. So, you know that's important. You know, I and we do want to hit on that uh, because that's. That I think is a really key aspect, and and that's what our church planners, most of whom are are bivocational, are looking to do is to get more involved in their communities, um, get to know people in the community, and and things of that nature. So before we get to that, one of the things that I would like to know about, and we briefly talked about this right before we got on the podcast, is what kind of businesses will bring in chaplains? I mean. One of the things that I've always had this thought in the back of my head when I've heard this, because we've got a a church planner out in Las Vegas um, who's been a chaplain for the last few years and goes into businesses. And I don't know if he does this with your organization or with another one. And, you know, I just always had this thought in the back of my head. Well, it's got to be, you know, Christians at the the helm of the the company. Why else would they be bringing in a chaplain? And, And you were mentioning 
you know, you've got all kinds of different business owners. Some are atheists who who bring in the chaplains and things like that. So I think the question is, you know, what type of businesses bring in these chaplains, I mean, and, and what do they really see as the the key benefit? Yeah, it's uh, the type of business that the bring in chaplain is uh, organizations that want to provide a higher level of proactive care for their employees. I mean, I really know that there's a lot of companies where employees are perceived as numbers. I work for organizations like that, right, where I'm a number, you know, but there's other organizations that really care and realize that over 50 percent of a person's lifetime is at work. So, you know, they want to retain their valued assets. They want to develop them. They want to help them get through those challenges in life. So organizations that bring in chaplain or any, any organization that has a real care to, um, to show the employees that they are really valued by the owners, by the, by the board, whoever it is. So like give you an example. I had a friend call me this morning. He has an organization and he's had some turnover problems. Well, he's in securities. It's a, it's a securities company, and they can't keep employees. So, you know, he, the owner, the CEO, wants to provide a, a greater level of care. I don't know if he's a believer or not, but as you mentioned, not everybody is a Christian believer who brings in uh, chaplains. You see chaplains today in, in professional sports, firefighters, you know, uh, police departments. So. I think um, businesses that have, again, a genuine care that want to help the employees both uh, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. You know, I think if, if they have a, how, how would I say, a holistic approach, I don't yeah. know if that's the right, but a holistic approach, they really care about the entire person, not just, uh, you know, what the employee does for them. Um, so, like I said, we serve over, I think, 30 different industries and uh, we do serve right now, I think, approximately five atheist hmm. uh, organizations that are atheists run by owners. But you know what? They value their, their employees. They care for them. And they just want to show them a greater a greater care. And they're, they're okay with us talking to them if the employee initiates that conversation. But we don't go in. We don't bring church. We don't bring church to the workplace. We don't come in with Bibles. You know, we bring we come in with one thing, and that's care. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because um, what you're saying there uh, is very much like a conversation I had with my brother. He's a, uh, yeah. a combat infantryman and uh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't go to church. Um, you know, he claims to uh, be an atheist or agnostic at least, but but more more often than not atheist. And what what he has said uh, a few months ago, they there was a scare that they were going to get rid of chaplains and he, you know, in the U S military. And he just on the phone to me said, Peyton, that's never going to happen. And he said, look, remember when you were a firefighter and he said, how important were chaplains to helping the guys with the trauma? He goes, I'm going to tell you something. He goes, before we deploy, he said, uh, everybody, sees the chaplain and he says, and I mean, everybody, including me, um, mm. he goes, it, you, you just, it, it's something that when guys have issues, problems, he goes, the other thing is you really don't want the chaplain to come visit you <laughs> because mo more yeah. than often, more, more often than not, the chaplain is the guy that says, uh, Hey, uh, captain so-and-so I private so-and-so came and saw me and told me that, uh, he was, a so they deal with ethical things, things like bullying, um, fair treatment, um, they, they deal with justice issues. And of course, I can see 
how the employers of these companies, although they may not believe in the Bible per se, some of them, mm -hmm. they can still have a biblical worldview, which is basically to say, hey, people are messed up. And anyone who's worked in the work sector long enough knows that uh, people that can be brilliant at their job can have an sure. Achilles heel. They can have something like a, um, a uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, uh, like you said, a weakness. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's something that, but they're a brilliant employee, but maybe they have an anger issue. And so right. I can really see how a chaplain comes in as an advocate of mm -hmm. the individual on behalf of the company to serve the company uh, so that, that the, the employee isn't tossed away because of a weakness that affects their job but isn't necessarily related to their job. So I can see the value. What are some of the necessary uh, qualities that the chaplain uh, needs to have or what does it take to be a chaplain? Yeah, well, that's a good question, too. I said the number one quality is you have to have a strong walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. and second of all is you have to have a passion for people to really care for them. And what I mean by that is that you, know, you, could, you could be intellectually, but really it's a work of the heart. And you have to have a passion to help people. And if you have excellent people skills and you're a connector and you really uh, want the Lord to use you, to impact people's lives, then you're going to be a good fit. And uh, we do, um, most of our chaplains have a, you know, a degree in divinity or some type of degree, but it's not a requirement. What is a requirement is that you really walk with the Lord and that you have exceptional people skills, good listening skills, ability. Uh, you're not counselors. You know, one of the things we explained to the to the chaplains, you're not counselors like a pastor. You know, people are going to come to you. Uh, we, we, what we want to do is uh, we're referral sources. We want our chaplains to refer uh, um, individuals with alcohol, you know, drugs, um, sexual problems, uh, depression, stress, whatever it is. We want them to be a resource to help them get the right help. Hmm. So, and so we want them to, you know, be engaged. Um, and again, most of the chaplains that really do well are chaplains who have also experience in the business. If you're, if you're a pastor that has never had business experience, it takes a little bit of adjustment. And, you know, we have some, but, um, it takes an adjustment. And so part of our, part of our, uh, program is we train them and then we get them certified. And then most importantly, we go through a mentoring process, which is really helpful. So that way the, the chaplains, uh, don't just get thrown in there. They, they realize what it takes and what should they do, what should they not do. So um, it's really exciting, you know. And uh, like I have a new chaplain. I have a chaplain. She's a, um, a person that, you know, has gone through a lot. She's not, she doesn't have a degree, but she has tremendous people skills and she's already led people to the Lord. She's only been two months as a chaplain. So we hire both male and female uh, chaplains, which is exceptional because we we have the, we follow the military model, right? So that way the females, you know, really focus on helping the females, and mm. males focus with the males. Wow, let me let me ask Six, you five. something here. Um, mm. These uh, these chaplains, like I, to me, I, I look at this and I, I see it as just a, a phenomenal service that. I don't think any company that uh, that I've ever worked with has had chaplains, um, and I, I love the the whole idea of it. 
And and, and I remember too in in talking, we've got a, a church planner out in Las Vegas by the name of Josh Boyd, and uh, mm-hmm. and he does uh, chaplaincy work out there. And and I remember him actually telling me one time, he goes, "It's actually different than being a pastor." He's like, you know, being a chaplain is completely different. It's not uh, like a, a counselor, like you already mentioned earlier, and that. Um, you know, you're you're really just there for a, a short amount of time to really just connect with people, to pray with people, uh, uh, things like that, and uh, and I can see it as just like such a, a vital uh, way for for people to reach into the community in a different way. And you know, you kind of already hit on it in, in saying that you know they don't necessarily have to have uh, a degree in divinity and, and things like that, so. I, I, I've kind of gotten this impression that you don't necessarily have to already be a pastor. I mean, is that an accurate statement? You, you'll you'll yes. take people who have a, a great relationship with Jesus and you'll train them on how to be a chaplain. Is that the best way to put it, or is there a better Absolutely. way? Absolutely, absolutely. No, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a pastor, and uh, when I was approached uh, five years ago. Um, I, I was kind of intrigued, but because I've always believed that the marketplace is my mission field, especially work, the workplace. I've led many to the Lord in the workplace. I've always had a burden, and the Lord has just opened those doors. So when I, uh, you know, when I when I, I was intrigued by it, and I said, "Well, I'm not a pastor," they said, "Well, you don't have to be a pastor, but you do have to have exceptional people skills and good business, uh, you know, acumen, and if you understand that, so that you're not." forcing people to converse. I said, well, let me try it first before I actually, I want to, I want to really test and see if this is really something I want to do. And if I see the value, you know, and I was amazed. I was, when I first got started, I mean, immediately, I just saw how the Lord, you know, changes the culture. First of all, if companies want to change the culture, you know, it's amazing how employees, whenever I would go in there, they'd say, man, you you don't understand how much joy you bring just hmm. when I see you. And I was like, this is just ministry of presence, okay? This is me not talking to the employees. So, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to have these credentials. You just have to have a passion for the Lord. And we, we have several uh, chaplains, I can't give you a percentage, I don't know, but we have a tremendous amount of chaplains who just have business backgrounds. You know, they have, they've been in professional environments and they have a desire to say, Lord, I want to be, I, I want to have more meaningful work in the community. How do I do that? Yeah. And, and that's part of it. Yeah. And they are and paid positions. Well, that, it's not that's voluntary. Kind of... They're all paid. They're, you're getting paid for doing meaningful work, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. Hey, that's sometimes better than the church. <laughs> well, I just had a pastor the other day tell me, Hector, if you could pay me full time for this, I'd rather do this than be a pastor. And I said, no, no, don't, don't change. <laughs> Let's pray about that one, brother. Don't. And he says, but seriously, he goes, seriously, he goes, if there's a full time opportunity to be a chaplain, I would prefer to be a chaplain. Well, but I th- think that's this, God's calling. This is yeah. why we thought of having you on here. What what we actually thought was, you know, when when you and I were talking before, and mm-hmm. you had called me. You weren't even looking for me. You're looking for Chris Langham. And uh, that's right. And and I was like, hey, today's your lucky day. You found me. No, I'm teasing. Yeah. But, but <laughs> sorry, I, I agreed with you. Remember? But <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's the thing. In in all seriousness, now your 
your uh, whole uh, ministry here is exactly where Paul went. So for a church planner, a guy who wants to church plant, Paul rolls into a city and he sets up you know, his, his tent-making booth in the marketplace. It's the first place he goes. And so for a Ooh. church planner, he's like, well, what am I going to do? Um, in one sense, this is like low-hanging fruit. I mean, these are people with problems. These are the sick who need the doctor. These are people who don't have it all together. These are the people that flock to Jesus, right, in front of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the sinners and tax collectors. And I'm not saying you deal with the word. They're just people with problems. And mm-hmm. I think that your ministry, A, it's paid, but it answers the prayer. So so for a Bible guy, hey, you had me at paid, right? But for the ministry aspect of a guy who goes, gosh, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fit enough family time in. I'm trying to work part-time or full-time. Um, I'm trying to, to, to plant this church. But here's this opportunity that actually mm. could free up a church planner to get out into the workplace as a minister. And that is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Um, you've mentioned pay, and I'm not going to ask mm-hmm. you necessarily how much it pays, um, but mm-hmm. how wide of an area in general does a guy cover when he does this? Yeah, that's a... That's another good question. Here's how it works is that most of our chaplains are going to begin with one or two assignments. That's going to be anywhere between one to four hours, as high as 10 hours, depending upon their schedule. Uh, so if a chaplain, if a chaplain can, if it's a, a church planner that says, hey, I can afford to go two hours a week into the community, then you know what? We work with the chaplain's uh, schedule. We don't tell them, hey, if you don't work four hours, we can't use you. You know, whatever hours you can you, you say to the Lord, hey, I, I have two hours a week that I, I'd like to serve as a chaplain. Then, you know, we work with the chaplain and we, we find them those assignments. And somewhere it's, it's close to their proximity within, you know, within a tail, uh, 10 to 15 mile radius so that it's convenient. Because most of the calls that um, they're going to get from employees with issues, you know, they, our clients want our chaplains to respond to them as soon as possible. Right. So we want to be responsive because those are opportunities that we know the Lord is using to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. But that's how it works with church planners. I have one right now. He's a church planner. We're considering him. He's, he told me he only can afford right now an hour a week. So if it's an hour and then I have another chaplain that says, hey, I can I can work right now 10 hours. Our church is really small and I, I can afford 10 hours a week. So well, this I is hope the that answers thing. your question. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the ironic thing is that. By focusing on a ministry like this, you're actually focusing on your church plan. Often uh, church planners have this myth that if they go full-time, quote-unquote, for the church, um, that somehow their church will magically build. And, and realistically, in order for the church to, to actually grow, you got to get out there. So I just see this as kind of like a, just almost, I, you know, uh, you know, our listeners know I'm, I'm not – uh, the silver bullet guy, but I saw this as mm-hmm. such a kind of meeting of two worlds. Uh, praise God for you guys. Where mm-hmm. can they find you, Hector? If if they want to get involved with Marketplace Chaplains, how do they find you? How do they track you down? Yeah, they can they can reach me on my cell number seven one four eight eight three eighteen thirty one, or they can email me at Hector Perez, all one word, at mchap. USA, M as in Michael, C, Charlie, H, Hector, A, P as in Paul, USA.com. 
they can just email me and say I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah. And if they want to, and if they want to check our website is another good place because they can also apply through our website, depending upon the area in which they live. I only cover the Pacific area, which is all the West from San Diego to Washington. Right. So that's my, that's my area that I cover the Pacific uh, division. However, uh, the best way is for chat. If anybody was interested in chapel, so they could go to mchapusa.com and they can click on contact us and they'll see the different vice presidents by region. So if they live in the Midwest in the East coast or West coast, then they could, uh, that's the easiest way. And they would just say, I'm interested in chaplaincy, email us. And then we uh, respond to them pretty quickly. Awesome. Well, great. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. Got a quick question. Wait, wait, wait. Before before you do that question, let me ask real quick, if I can, Hector, if someone knows of a business that, you know, might be interested in adding this, do they go to the website for that or can they reach out to you for that? Or, you know, how would they like hook up a business to you guys? Yeah, the best way is for them to reach out to me and, um, I will direct them again. I will get them in contact with the, we only have three client expansion representatives across the nation. So the directors for client expansion will, you know, meet with them, you know, do a a fact finder to find out a little bit about their business and, but they can contact me on my cell number. That's the best way. Great. Okay. Well, normally at this point, Pete asks our guests uh, a, a question um, but we didn't feel right asking because we asked you before the show, um, who might be someone that you know that that our listeners might know? And you mentioned Bo Pilgrim, and Pete, Pete sent me a text that said, I can't ask the question, man. I looked him up, and he's kind of old and frail, so yeah. I can't ask our normal question. The question we ask at the end of every broadcast is if you were to get in a fight, and then we, we find somebody, you know, who would win? Now, being you came from the, the hood, right? Right, the from the barrio. <laughs> We're yeah. going to ask this Nikki question. Nikki Cruz. It, it's, it's just no fair to put you up against Bo Pilgrim at 87 years old. So No. Uh, we, I'll deck him quickly, brother. But 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 I think he might call down a legion of angels on you. So I'm just I'm throwing yeah, I'm, that out I'm there. But, but here's my question. If you could take on any pastor, any Christian author, anyone that's out there right now, uh, as kind of like you know the, the 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 heavyweight champion of the world in a fist fight. Who who would who would the charity you fight? Money? This who is the charity fight. Off? This isn't you hate him. This is charity this is fight. the charity, charity fight. fight. <laughs> well, you know what? I admire and I love Billy Graham. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but Billy <laughs> Billy Graham. Um, I wish I could emulate that man, and that's what I, my prayer is. I want to be a man like Billy Graham. And one of the things he said, he said, the next greatest awakening in America will occur in the marketplace. Huh. And the reason is that because that man always had a heart to win souls. And I think, you know, that to me, he's a fighter, you know, and I want to emulate him and, and be a fighter. But he would win. I don't even have a shot against that guy. Oh, I love it. I love it. So not even like a physical fist fight. You're just, you're thinking just, you know, as a contender, because we're, I was kind of taking your answer as like, yeah, I totally admire that guy. So I want to deck him in the head, but no, that's not <laughs> what you're saying. You're, you're not saying you're, you're speaking more metaphorically. <laughs> that's correct. Yep. Well, Hector, man, I love what you're doing and I love your heart and we uh, probably in future will want to get, some of your chaplains on here and hear some of their stories and how they're making inroads into the community. It's kind of what hardcore church planning is about. 
But this has been Hector Perez from Marketplace Chaplains on here on Hardcore Planning with Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. And Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.